because you find yourself overwhelmed or running in circles when you want to be productive and stay on mission? Do distractions plague you and you're not even sure how to take control of them? If so, then you're in the right place today. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Every week, we bring you insightful and encouraging information to help your homeschool family thrive. We're David and Leslie Nunnery, and we are so glad to have you joining us here today. On this episode, we're going to be talking about distractions. You know, distractions are a wonderful thing, and in moderation, they can be incredibly helpful. But wasting lots of time on less valuable things can cause all sorts of problems for you and can wreak havoc on your family, leaving you all frustrated and often anxious. But before we dive into our discussion about that, I wanted to tell you about a resource that I believe your family could really benefit from right about now and even use it to eliminate some of the anxiety-inducing distractions you face as you scour the internet and social media for reliable news sources. Talk about good news. A video current events program has arrived to instill news literacy and biblical discernment in your family. Prepare to learn about the world and be reminded of who made it. It turns out that watching the news can be fun. This is the stuff streams are made of, but you'll never know unless you try. Start your free 30-day trial at worldwatch.news TTD. You can even access their app for seamless streaming. Again, that is worldwatch.news TTD. distraction thing is a real issue for me, as you know, and I imagine that many listening in have similar issues. So, you know, what what kind of hope or promise can we give them? The, the first thing that I thought of when you and I were talking about this is Matlock. <laughs> Matlock. And I, I don't know if many people... Uh, I was, let's, for the for the younger generation, that's <laughs> that's not our age, the millennials, it's that in, kind of thing. It's definitely in syndication now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, Andy Griffith had a show after the Andy Griffith show called Matlock, and some of us just loved it. I don't know. <laughs> I and it's a typical courtroom courtroom drama show. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, Andy Griffith was a lawyer. He was a defense lawyer. And people would come in and they would be wrongly accused of some sort of a crime. Murder always, or something. always wrongly. Accused. And they were always wrongly accused. And Matlock would help get them off as a lawyer. And he had a, um, a private investigator. It was kind of a Perry Mason-ish kind yeah. of show. Yeah. But it had Andy Griffith. And I remember there was this one show. In which uh, this woman came to and uh, came to Matlock, not <laughs> Matlock, it was asking for help because she was wrongly accused of murder, and somehow they had connected this other guy because you have to prove the person who did it. You had to go right. find the actual murderer in order to get your person off. That's what Matlock had to do, and so um, they were suspicious. They were pretty sure they knew who, who had done it, and so they they sent a subpoena to this guy for documents that they felt would blow up his alibi. The guy abided by the alibi, but he didn't just send- By the subpoena, not the alibi. I'm sorry, he abided by the subpoena. 
thank you for keeping me straight. That's right. This, I am here for this story. They he abided by the Sabina, and he um, sent uh, rather than just sending like a folder or mm-hmm. like a piece of paper to Matlock to say, "Oh yeah, you're right. I'm guilty. Here you go." He sent every document that he had that related to this woman in the case. Wow. And so it was reams after ream after ream after ream of paper, uh, you know, file folders. There were boxes that were three deep that filled Matlock's office <laughs> of all these of all of this information. And somewhere in those boxes was the um, was a piece of paper that they needed. Hmm. They had to go through all that information in order to get to the one piece of paper they needed to blow up this guy's alibi. It was hidden in there somewhere, so they had to go through all this filtering process. Mm-hmm. When I tell this story, I know it raises a question, what happened? Yes. And the truth is, I was young. I don't remember exactly what <laughs> happened. I will tell you that the woman got off. Well, of course she did. Uh, of course. But the image of Matlock's office with all those boxes of paper mm. reminds me of me sometimes, uh, you me. sometimes. almost all the time. Um, Camden, you know, sometimes with him dealing with all of his, his, his work for Bible and really uh, just the kids. They're three in college. I mean, they're dealing with all of this stuff and it's just mm. like they're inundated with stuff. And then you put social networking on top of that and friends and, you know, all of it. There's a lot of distractions right, out there. Right. And that's really, you know, the other thing that I'm reminded by is the movie Bolt, right? You got Squirrel, right? Oh, you know, and, That's actually said around our house a lot. Yes, squirrel. it is. That's the reason why it came up. Yes. <laughs> and um, so, but I think that a lot of times that distraction follows the model or follows the 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 illustration the matlock illustration a little better mm-hmm. where you know that you have the right thing it's in there somewhere it's somewhere but you are inundated with all this stuff and i mean moms uh, i mean guys have a lot but i think that moms have even more it and I think you, that there's a hardwire issue that's different between yeah. guys and girls. For for me, and I think that for a lot of, of other women, many that I've talked to, we have a very hard time by nature lining up things. Therefore, though we may know what we want to accomplish, we see everything on the same level. We see all of it at once. We have a really, really difficult time prioritizing and sticking to that priority list. I know there have been a million times through our marriage when you, I have been at my wits end, not knowing how I'm going to get everything done, uh, whether it's valid or not, it, you know, whether I have it too much or not is not the, the, not in question, but you've told me on multiple occasions, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. And I still, I think that all the time because when I focus on that one bite of that elephant at a time, I'm able to disregard a lot of the, the just excess stuff, the matlock boxes that are just piling up all around me. And I'm focusing on the one bite that I need to take next, the one bite to get this project rolling or keep us on track or do what brings peace or whatever it is. So, so um, did you come up with a new 
kind of name for this stuff. You know, Matlock boxes. Okay. That, that is a we Matlock should, we box. Will, we will trademark that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But but with all of the distractions, you know, I've never there's never been a time in our lives. And, you know, we're older than a lot of the the moms and dads that are listening in. But the the amount of information, the amount of opportunity, the amount of ways to get thrown off of your mission just and I'm not even at this point, we'll talk about big mission in a little bit. And we talk about that a lot on our on the podcast and in our, in, in the events and so on. But I'm really just talking about, you know, just the day-to-day stuff that you need to get done. You've got constant notifications on your phone. You've got constant media coming at you. You've got constant opportunities for your kids to get out and get involved in stuff. And we're so easily, easily led astray by a lot of those where we feel like our kids are going to miss out on something really important if we don't enroll them in everything. And we we allow ourselves to get so strung out that just their activities become the biggest distraction because we don't have a block of time that we can devote to anything because we're in and out and always on the go. And so school suffers, our relationship with our children suffer, our relationship with our house suffer, with our spouse suffers, the way that we take care of our house suffers. Everything suffers when we are actually driven by these distractions. And I was um, actually, I kind of looked up to see how much we do suffer because of distractions. And it was fascinating to me. Every time that we allow ourselves to get pulled off of something, every time we allow a distraction of whatever kind to come into our our lives, in, into the way that we're, we're kind of pursuing the day, pursuing what we're doing, one distraction takes almost 25 minutes to get over. Yeah. So yeah. however long you spend on the distraction, Plus 25 minutes. And so it ends up multiplying on you. It's a huge suck. And I, you know, I don't think that we're talking about, um, you know, bad choices in some of these scenarios. It's really a choice of good things that if you just take each individual one, it's, it's a good thing to want your kids to be involved in programs and your kids probably should be involved in programs. It's good for them. But the the discussion there is okay is this a good thing or is this the best thing right. it's not necessarily you know is is this the best thing or am i going to ruin them yeah. you know it's not you know those a, are easier choices know, to make honestly yeah, i mean so. is it, it's it's not like hey should i go and and take this candy bar and steal it or should i go pay for it you know <laughs> it's not these clear you know decision points that you you have to base things off of it is um, it is, it is, uh, is it the best thing? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're constantly dealing with. And a lot of times I know in your case, you talk about the kids coming in while you're sitting here writing an email or you're working on a newsletter or yeah. you are, uh, working on something for volleyball or you are just uh, reading your Bible. Right. And, you know, somebody will come in here and say, mom, can you fix me some eggs or, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. And so you're dealing with those kind of distractions all the time. And I'm definitely not suggesting that you don't go feed kids. I'm saying that there are a lot of distractions out there and it really weighs on you and it multiplies on you on a regular basis. And therefore it um, everybody knows it plays into your favor, too 
actually try to minimize those right, as much as you right. possibly can. Well, and like you were saying, this isn't a, a choice between good and bad most of the time. A lot, well, and some of our distractions are bad. Spending excessive amounts of time, you know, just swiping on social media because we have a fear of missing out of what is going on or not being in the know or whatever, that's bad. That's something that we need to control because it's not good. But but social media isn't all bad. There are good ways to use it. But but the excessive time, that's bad. But for a lot of our our choices really come down to good and good. And if we crowd ourselves with way too many good things that aren't best for that season of our life, we are going to find ourselves mired in this sludge of good so that we're never getting to better and we're absolutely never getting to best. That's right. And And so so you have to keep in mind the season of life that you're in and what's reasonable for you to do at any given time. Yes. And so you have to have a filter to, or in order to, to walk through this. And I think that we kind of return back to this idea of what the big why is of why you're doing things. And you have to evaluate things according to whether or not it is going to bring your children to Jesus. And that is that. And, and prepare them to walk with him in them. whatever what path is, he takes. So you literally are asking that question constantly. And and I don't like cliches as much as the next person. They seems simple and just kind of, eh, you know, not very helpful. Right. But in some cases, you actually have to break it down that way to make it easy to understand. And that's one of the reasons why we kind of broke it down. You know, what will set my children at Jesus feet? You know, does this set my children at Jesus feet? And that is the question that I think that you have to rehearse over and over and over again, when you are looking at these different elements of what you are doing and it starts spreading out into a, every single element of your life. And you really need to embrace that ripple effect that Mm. happens from that and not be afraid to actually apply that question to every single thing that you are doing in a, in a, a day. Right. Um, Because when you do, when you lean into that ripple effect, the fact that, okay, my big goal is to disciple my children, to prepare them for life. So that's going to impact how I keep my house. That's going to impact how I educate my kids. That's going to impact, to your point we were chatting earlier, what kind of car I drive. All of these things are impacted by that. But the beauty of the ripples, when you are actually keeping your goal, your big why in mind, is that gives such peace and clarity to all these other decisions. And it actually removes the distraction of having to make all of these smaller decisions because you have something to hang them on. And that really, truly is helpful especially as you're trying to, to remove distractions and make less friction in your day. Yeah. I mean, one of the uh, examples that is brought out often is an Olympic athlete. And I mean, Paul uh, used this as well. Yeah. He was talking about Olympic athletes. And, um, you know, if you're an Olympic athlete during the time, and you have to actually train for years. I mean, we're talking about four, five, 10 years sometimes. Yeah, the training lots. cycle is for being able, for going to the Olympics. And if your goal is to win a gold medal, that consumes your life. Mm-hmm. That consumes every part of what you do. It impacts what you eat and impacts what you, when you get up in the morning. 
It impacts what you read. It impacts the people that you hang out with. It impacts where you live. Mm -hmm. It impacts, I mean, every single element of your life. Do you get married or not? What kind of relationships do you have? I mean, it goes all the way through and ripples through every element of your life. Yeah, as you're training and for this big Will event. it make yep. me go faster? Right. Or will it make the boat go faster? Yep. Or it it actually consumes every part of you. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is that it starts to ripple through every single thing. And so, like, for instance, how is a car related to bringing my children to Jesus Christ? And I'll give you an example, right? When you're driving to church on Sunday morning, especially when your children are young, you want to be in the car together because then you are actually preparing your heart as you are going to church. You have an opportunity to pray. You have an opportunity to listen to certain kinds of music. You have an opportunity to talk to them when you right. come home from church. You have all that you're together. Right. And so it is much more of a uh, family event. You're going to church and you are preparing your heart. You're preparing the heart of your children. You are getting everybody ready to be at church. Mm -hmm. And so that would play in to this. The other thing is, is so that you wouldn't a, have a two seat. You wouldn't have a two seat. Right? You're not going to go out and get a, four kids. Yeah, generally, gonna, unless you've yeah. got a burner car. I mean, I love Corvettes <laughs> as much as the next guy, and I would love to own one. But honestly, we are just now at the stage of life that that would even be a possibility, and probably still. I mean, still it's not, not a possibility. A, it's not a possibility. I need to give my dream up of owning a Corvette. I guess. <laughs> But I mean, there was a time where we both drove minivans, right? You know, I mean, and and those were the kind of decisions that went into play there. And um, you, again, what time do you get up in the morning? You have to have an opportunity for you to be able to pray and to pick up the Bible, and then you have to be able to get ready for your day, and you have to get the kids rolling right. and have every and ha and have a heart that is prepared for the kids. And that's where that getting up before them, getting in God's Word, really pays off. Because then when the rush of the day comes on, you've already prepared yourself in your heart for that. Yes. Um, and and to that end, since we, we kind of touched on that, I would encourage you that when you're getting up, don't even look at your phone before you have your devotions. Um, if, you know, unless there's some emergency, you want to make sure your parents are okay or something like that, I would just... Stay off of my phone until I have had my time with the Lord, because you know as well as I do that once you pick up your phone and you just, I'm just going to look real quick to see an update on whatever, that's, you know, at least 25, 30 minutes of, you know, getting that distraction and getting over it before you're ready to get into God's word. And by then your kids may be up. So you really have to focus in on what's important and make those everyday choices that lend itself to getting there. Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking about a Basically, we're talking about a goal here. Yeah. Having a commitment to your goal where I'm going to make this goal yeah. is not really enough. You have to be able to have the systems to back up the goal right. in order to get there. And it's all about the systems. Goals are great because it's like steering ship. I'm going to go in this direction. Right. But you have to have those systems in order to back up the goal or you're not going to make it. Right. And so you, it, uh, I think James Clear, he was this guy that just wrote this book, Atomic Habits. He actually said that you fall to the level of your systems. Hmm. Um, you do not rise to the level of your goals. 
And I, I think that that is really important to think about this because it's not enough just to say, I have this commitment to bring my children to Jesus Christ. You have to back that up with, okay, what does that look like? Yeah. And you start filling all that stuff in and it has to permeate into every single level of your life. So we're talking about distractions here. And what I'm saying basically is that when you walk into Matlock's office and you <laughs> see all of those boxes that are stacked up yeah. and that's kind of what your life is, you have to have this ability to start, you know, shredding stuff. Right. And what is the filtering process going to be? And we're kind of, we're saying that the filtering process is what brings my children to Jesus Christ the best. That is what the filtering parent, process yeah. is. And so therefore... Maybe that means that you completely throw things out, or maybe it means that you take something that is not under uh, in subjection to that overall big why, that goal, and you bring it under. Yeah. And yeah. you redefine what its purpose is, or you know, maybe you, you go reapproach it. You, you come at it from a different direction. You, you go sell the Corvette and you buy a <laughs> minivan because you got to have a car. You right? got it. You got to let go of um, that Corvette. Actually. You know, so you you have to be able to bring those things under yeah. subjection. Yeah. Well, and you have and, to order them. Yeah, and just practically speaking, it's as you are as you are focusing on what your big goal is, what you're called to do, and you're trying to rid yourself of distractions. It's really important to be honest with. What are those things that so easily trip you up? Like practically speaking, I know, like I noted before, if I get on my phone before I have my devotions, the odds of me having a really solid devotion and prayer time diminishes because I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to get aggravated. I'm going to see a, you know, a news pop-up headline thing from overnight and it's going to upset me. I'm going to get anxious because of something that throws me off. That's a distraction. So I have to ignore my phone until after I am done with my devotions. Um, and, and there's other things. If you are so easily thrown off by like clutter, like for me, that's another thing. If I see all kinds of stuff around, I am not nearly as productive or as effective. I'm so easily distracted because I could be even talking to one of my kids or David or whatever. And I see stuff all around me that needs to be done. And my brain is just pulled in a myriad of different directions. So try to deal with stuff like that. Um, there's, there's distractions digitally, not just staying off of your phone beforehand, but what kind of conversations are you engaging in? What kind of conversations are you seeing? The discourse on social media is so bad that it can it can be a distraction it's for toxic. yeah it's toxic it can absolutely be a distraction for a very long time plus then you're going to get all these contradictory conflicting reports and news and you don't know what's what and you don't know what to trust and what not to and all of a sudden you're so not only distracted but you're overwhelmed and you're anxious and that flows over into your children as well. We were talking earlier, uh, David and I were, a couple of weeks ago in church, our pastor was preaching through the the Philippians 4 passage where it, it talks about anxiety. And the anxiety there, he said, has been noted as harassing cares. Those are the distractions from within. When we allow anxiety to well up in us and to control us and to dictate the way that we interact with people or 
or with things or whatever. We're just driven by this harassing care that's just pelting us day in and day out. That's another massive source of distraction that we have got to get under control. How do you get anxieties under control? Well, you, you come to the cross, you focus on Jesus, you, you allow gratitude, like David talks about all the time, uh, you allow gratitude to be the counterpoint to that because those two things can't exist in the same spot. So you have got to take control of those anxious thoughts that are just a major distraction for you to allow you to do what God has called you to do effectively. Absolutely. So, I mean, you are, I mean, you can, we could very easily get all the way, I mean, we get very deep into this and you can go into every element of your life. I mean, you're talking about your thought life. I mean, you are getting into some deep stuff right, at that point. Right. I mean, and so just, uh, you know, you can apply this to a lot of different areas. So for instance, let's talk about uh, if your goal is to um, to bring your children to Jesus Christ, one of the ways that the Bible says that you can uh, really create an obstacle is by provoking your children to wrath. And so therefore your goal should be, I am not going to provoke my children to wrath. And I mean, and therefore you are going to not do certain things. You're not going to be inconsistent in the way you apply the rules. I mean, what kind of things are going to provoke your children to wrath? When your children come in and they distract you from something else, are they bothering you? You know, how do you respond to them? Are you going to get angry and snap at them? Or are you going to say, hold on a minute. Let me finish this. Right. I'll get to you in a second. Or are you going to give them your full attention? The answer to that question depends on the circumstance. Yeah, sure. And it relies on your judgment. But what you're thinking about is how do I bring my children to Jesus Christ? Or how well, do I not you know, make sure this doesn't become a thing where I'm provoking my children? Wait, which is a distraction for them. How am I not putting distractions to them through provoking them to wrath by putting a wedge in that relationship. Your children need to know that you love them. And so how is this going to be received by them? Well, and, and we have to be sure that we are not allowing our children to become a distraction. And that also takes planning because like David said, there are times when you need to be able to work in a straight line without constant interruptions. And some of the things that we did uh, through the years to try to avoid that, because when our kids are a distraction and they're the ones that are throwing us off just all the time, you're you have to be very careful that that's not when you react to them in a way that will provoke them to wrath because you're so frustrated with them. So some of the things that we did through the years to help our children not become a distraction was, um, number one, as they got old enough to understand what was going on, when we are doing our devotions, if they get up that early, then they know to to leave us alone. That is a time when we are spending time with God and they understand the importance of it. And they are, are very good to leave us alone. When they were little and they would come to me no matter what, I would give them stuff to do on the floor and, and whatever. And, and that was a different different time, a different season. Um, so that was one way when we are having conversations, you know, they have always known they come up, they put a hand on our arm. Mm -hmm. They don't 
interrupt. They, I, we, we understand that they're there. We, we acknowledge them. Even still, my kids are 22 to 14 and they still come up and touch my arm if they want yeah, they my touch attention. your arm. And a lot of times you will put your hand, hand on, on them top of it. So right. that they know exactly. Right. That, but that, yeah. that removes a distraction from that moment. You're able to stay on what you were doing, what you were talking about, and then you're able to get to them in an orderly fashion. So no one is frustrated. No one feels like they are a problem and you're able to avoid the distraction at that time. Other ways, like I noted before, don't over-program your kids. Don't have them to where they are so distracted by all these things that they can't walk a straight line either. You know, they are, we've got stuff coming at them from all different, different sides and we've got to be careful that we're protecting them from all of that. Um, and then finally, it's okay to have boundaries within your home. Hey, mama needs to work on this for from here to here. So, you know, unless unless you are just, there's an emergency and your Somebody. toe is going to fall off, you need to leave me alone during this time because I have to get this finished. That's okay because that's teaching them, not not that they are a distraction and they're a problem, but rather it's teaching them to, to honor what someone else needs. And, and that is a great lesson. We're actually instilling in them respect for people and people's time by those little boundaries that yeah. we're setting and it's keeping us going in the right direction. So those are just, again, just more practical it, ways that in within your family, you're able to avoid distractions strategically to keep you on goal. Absolutely. And I, I think, again, I think that we could go on and on oh, and sure. on and on and on and on and on. But we're encouraging everybody to go on and on and on yeah. with this. We want, actually want you to apply this to different levels. It's not just about homeschooling. It's not just about keeping a clean house. Right. It's not just about making sure that you're the kind of father that you need to be. I mean, it is all interconnected and you can really get into the minutia on this and you probably should. Mm -hmm. And thinking about this and rehearsing this on a regular basis and you can only have one priority. You can't have five number one priorities. It has to be, there's only one. You are not capable of yeah. focusing on more than one priority. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how amazing you are. You will not be able to focus on more than one thing mm -hmm. as your top priority. And then once you take care of that top priority and consider it, maybe you can move down to other stuff, talking about how do you eat an elephant? Which <laughs> bite do you take? Well, you got to make sure that you're taking care of the number one priority. And right. then that starts to trickle down into other right. things and informs what you need right. to do next. Yeah. And and I mean, I've even read uh, in many different places that multitasking is a lie. It is. That you are not able, I'm no sorry. matter, no matter how much sorry you to think, say that. I know, I know, no matter how much you say you can multitask, you're not able to, you, you need to do one thing at a time. And, and I see that very, very clearly going back to that clutter uh, analogy that I gave earlier, example that I gave earlier, if I'm talking to my kids or to David and I see laundry that needs to be folded and I see all of these things, my brain starts going in all of these different directions all at the same time and I'm not accomplishing any of them. So, so you've got to streamline 
the different things that you're doing and making sure that you are focusing on them one little step at a time, removing those peripheral things. But just think, David, if we were to get rid of those 25 minutes, you know, that that distraction that keeps you off for 25 minutes after you're done, think how much time that we would get back in our day. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could be massive if we would just cut out those things that are throwing us off and making us feel guilty for getting thrown off. And then it's just one thing. It's just like cycle that we get in. Yes. Um, so just really, well, really encourage you to look at those distractions. And this is this is something I learned from uh, David and Jason Venom. One of the things that they told me is that the next natural step after clarity is always action. Hmm. And so what that means is that that's the next thing you are going to do. You will always do that. And so if you don't have clarity, you're talking about all of these other things competing for your competing for your attention. It doesn't create clarity. And yes. so it, what it does is that it creates this. You, you're paralyzed. Right. You do not move forward. You do not get traction in your day. But if you have clarity, mm-hmm. which that's what. Being able to set up, okay, this is the next thing that I'm going to do. This is my number one thing. And because I have this number one thing, it's going to trickle down into this. That gives you clarity. And the very next thing is action right after that. I mean, and so what I'm basically saying is, is that it's the next natural step. Like that's the reflex. Hmm. It's clarity, action. And you will move forward in what you want to do or what you need to do. And if you don't have the clarity... It's going, you're going to get bogged down every single time. And as as many of us are as, as, as often as I hear multitasking, and it may seem like you're multitasking, but I promise you, you are not. Yep. Yep. Clarity is always diluted by distractions. Yes. Without exception. So, so this week, take a look at those distractions. Really, really think about it. Talk to your spouse. Um, one of the things that David has done for me through the years, or we've done together, is kind of writing down all the things that we're trying to squeeze into our day. And when you write it down and you're really brutally honest with all the stuff that you're doing and all the stuff you're trying to squeeze in, you'll see where those distractions start coming in. So do that exercise together. It's really a great way to talk through priorities. It's a great way to get on the same page about some stuff, to remove some misunderstandings, all kinds of stuff. So uh, take account of those distractions today. Find a way through it, get clarity on your purpose, and then just be brutal with knocking out the stuff that doesn't need to be in your life for this season. I hope that this has been really encouraging and helpful for you today. I hope that you've got some takeaways that you can start implementing in your own life and your family. Uh, We would love to hear from you. So if you have an idea for a conversation that we can have, something you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast, or if you'd like to leave us a comment of any kind, go to the show notes. There's a form there. Uh, We'd love to have you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell your friends about the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Just help us spread the word and try to encourage more families uh, as we go about this, just kind of joining you in the journey and and walking alongside you as we go. So have a wonderful rest of your day and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Talk to you later. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. 
So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, Check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.